Oh, yeah. Ooh, ah, that's how it always starts. But then later there's running and then screaming. The world's just changed so radically and we're all running to catch up. How can we possibly have the slightest idea of what to expect? With the best intentions. Some of the worst things imaginable have been done with the best intentions. Dr. Malcolm, I have to share a few campfire stories with my uncle. You can convince the Washington Post and the skeptical inquirer of whatever you want. But I was there, I know what happened, and so do you. I, I don't think you're giving us our due credit. Our scientists have done things which nobody's ever done before. Yeah, yeah, but your scientists were so preoccupied with whether or not they could that they didn't stop to think if they should. Hello, welcome to the December issue of Jurassic Minutes, where we discuss recent movie, toy, and franchise news for the Jurassic series. I'm Brad. I am Dave. And here we are, back to start a new year, even though this year doesn't seem to be starting all that well either, but uh, on the Jurassic front, uh, we have the trailer of Season 2 of Camp Cretaceous that's come out, uh, and it will be released on Netflix shortly. Iron Studios is working hard at taking our money, and stay tuned to the second part of the show where we dive into the history of the Jurassic backlot, from uh, horror to comedy to desperate housewives. <laughs> we'll tell you all about the use of the Universal backlot for Jurassic and more. But before we get to that, David, we've just had Christmas, and I know I've got some new stuff, and it looks like you've got some new stuff as well. Oh, yeah. I um, I was so happy to walk into my local Target and see a Netflix <laughs> Indominus Rex in there. I never thought we would have got those. Uh, I've seen some people in um, specialty stores getting on over here, but I've got none of those stores near me, so I was lucky to get that thing, and I love it. It, uh, it's definitely way better than the Hasbro version. Oh, yeah. You're talking about the regular one, right? Not the uh, Super Colossal? Yeah, yeah, not the Colossal one. Um, it's yeah, got the... yeah I, that's the one I got. It's in every conceivable way superior to the Hasbro one. <laughs> <laughs> or as I've started to call them Hasblows. <laughs> <laughs> I do. I still find it fascinating, though, they've brought back the light-up functions in it. I know, yeah. I I don't know where that's coming from. (laughs) It's something Hasbro done, now they're doing it too. I'm wondering if there's, like, some kind of package that Universal sends out for when the toy creators create certain figures, like for uh, Rexy and the Indominus, for example, where they have to... There's certain things they have to include in the toy like for example like blue has to have the blue and white stripe that's just Mm -hmm. a absolute need or rexy needs to have that kind of ridge snout or something like that and i wonder if like the indominus has one where it has to have this light up feature in the neck which is really weird because we never actually see this in the movie but i mean yeah yeah whether it's the same press kit that Hasbro would have got back in the day, as we know, like um, Hasbro and even Mattel, or Hasbro back then anyway, would have been given information about some of the uh, animals probably mm-hmm. a year a year or more ahead of the film's release just so the toys could be made in time. Yeah, that's usually how it works. That's how it worked with Kenner, yeah. where they were sent uh, by Universal a bunch of photos of these Dan Winston maquettes to work from, you know? Yep, yep. So, yeah, there must have been something, something early script or something in there 
or mm. even some line that she the animal uses light to change color or something <laughs> something they've, mm. they've they've used to describe the animal and they've taken it the wrong way or or something there but it's it scales great next to me fresh and fro t-rex and the uh the other one i've got the darker darker brown colored one as well so the stomp and devour or whatever mm. they keep calling them <laughs> all these different dinosaurs <laughs> they've released uh, oh my god they've got so many there and they've still got them coming too yes yes we've uh just getting some news now when we record this so we'll be talking about that in the january issue of the minutes but uh yeah anyway they can release another t-rex they're doing it <laughs> also uh found the lumpy netflix lumpy as well so i got that one i'm, I'm just sticking to animals we see on screen at the moment or animals i can actually buy from the store they've got the the fluorescent uh, parasol office there and i'm sort of just waiting for that to go on special <laughs> on on sale uh, so i can get a couple of them lego lego had uh, a few sets out this year but the only one i really went for was the uh the jurassic world gyrosphere station with the uh, direx and the ankylosaurus just uh i've got the uh, the carnotaurus one from fallen kingdom with the um battle oh, not battle damage but the vines all over the gyrosphere station now i've got the the pristine one as well and another another hamster ball to roll around <laughs> on the ground um, yeah i i got the lego one where it was i think it was just the mini set with uh gray nick and the gyrosphere is just that kind of like little set yep um and then towards before christmas too i had the um a friend in the states actually sent me a couple of the uh the Maisie and Owen mm-hmm. figures from Fallen Kingdom. It's the it's the builder oh, nice. figure ones. I think they've got the um they got parts of fossils in them. I think they build the um oh, the Triceratops skull or something. I can't recall. I don't know what it actually does. I haven't opened, <laughs> opened them up yet. But yeah, I got myself amazing and Owen anyway. Two figures that we just didn't see over here at all. So um, yeah, yeah. I remember the Maisie even in the states being hard to find. It was it wasn't like super rare like. Uh, some of the stuff was, but I, I remember it was one of the more rare figures that was, you you had to hunt for it a lot. Yeah, I think it was November, someone sent a, or posted up a photo of a, um, in a toy store at the end of the shelf, and there was just 40 or 50 of them on the, on the pegs there, and oh my god, he just posted, who wants amazing, <laughs> about 20 of us threw our hands in the air, yep. So he was busy shipping stuff out to us, but uh, very grateful for that. Mm-hmm. But there was one thing I was really looking for uh, everywhere over Christmas, and I didn't get it, but you did, and that was the uh, the Hallmark T-Rex. Yeah, yeah, that was a... I, here in the States, I believe it was a Target exclusive, and unlike like many of um, Hallmark's kind of signature figures, like, for example, the Star Wars, that I, I have one of their Darth Vader ones, for example, it's um, a, where they're made out of like a hard acrylic plastic. This one's more of like a semi-soft rubber, where it has like a little give. Like, say, if the cat were to whack it off the tree, it's not gonna break. <laughs> yep, bounces. Actually, I, I believe a, there was a concern of a friend of mine who he wanted it, but he was afraid his cat would whack it off the tree and it'd break. And I'm like, don't worry, it's soft rubber, so it's it's not it's very safe. <laughs> Uh, nice. And it, uh, dare I say, it looks like it's got a better paint job on it than the Chronicle Collectibles one, too. <laughs> the, the photo you posted, anyway, the paint looks good on it. Yeah, it does. It's 
I mean, it's not like their most intricate figure. I wouldn't exactly call it like even say on the level of like their Darth Vader figure where it looks 100% like the character or even their Walter Payton figure that my dad has. But I mean, it's still a good figure. Yeah, all the all the uh, toes and stuff are painted right, and it's got all the color that it should have, and it's got a good sculpt. So I'm I'm happy with it. It was a nice little stocking stuffer. Nice. Yeah, along with that, I also got the um, 4K disc set and a 4K TV to watch them on. So oh. that should be fun. Uh, unfortunately, I do not have a. 4K Blu-ray TV player, or I'm sorry, Blu-ray player yet, but I'm kind of hoping I'm going to ask for that for my birthday, so I'm kind of hoping that I can get that hooked up and see what Jurassic Park looks like in 4K for myself, because mm. I've seen some, I've, we've discussed previously some of the screen caps that have come, that have been posted on JurassicVault.com, and it looks absolutely spectacular, so I'm excited. Yeah, there's been a lot of a lot of comparisons getting posted up. Um, I remember you're doing a few of just the Blu-ray and the uh, the VHS transfers and that sort of stuff as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it'll be interesting interesting to see how, especially with the Lost World, how they if they change any of the uh, the settings on that, if they brighten it up or anything, or keep it as dark as it as it is on Blu-ray. Oh, I'm I mean I'm definitely looking forward to it. I'm going to brag a little bit because this t the picture on this tv is absolutely magnificent i've I, I can screencast it to my or my phone can screencast to it so i'm like thumbing through some of the photos i've taken on the big screen tv so and i'm just like jaw dropping wow i took that <laughs> yeah yeah that's that's one feature i definitely love even if you just need to touch some photos up and it's a lot better doing on the big screen and on your little phone oh uh, yeah really so I also so there's that and then um, with like a little bit of my Christmas money I ordered the Chasmosaurus from the the Lost World line from my friend uh, Luis Perez uh, nice. from on eBay. So yeah, that got that coming in the mail. Yeah, how you can talk about that on the next show. Mhm. If if uh, <laughs> if it doesn't get lost or delayed in the postal service, of course. <laughs> Which is yeah, always really. a, a hassle. <laughs> Woo! Hey, where did you find this? It walks under my seat. Are they heavy? Yeah. Then they're expensive. Put them back. All right, moving into some news now, and uh, as I mentioned before, Iron Studios is uh, finding more ways to uh, take money from us. <laughs> uh, they've uh, posted up some more uh, more statues for sale. Uh, one of being the uh, classic shot, maybe of the uh, the Tyrannosaurus in the in the rotunda with the raptors. Uh, you got the four humans, Grant, Ellie, uh, Tim, and Lex there, and the raptors on a massive base and uh, coming in at uh, nine hundred dollars US. Yeah, I like it a lot, the T Rex, but I'm not such a fan of the raptor sculpts. The head sculpts kind of look overly thin i mean the bodies look really nice but i do not like the head sculpts on the raptors at all and i'm not sure if they changed that from their raptors in the kitchen line because i remember the raptors in the kitchen those pictures of those raptors looking absolutely fantastic so kind of wondering what happened there 
but the T-Rex looks magnificent. She's got all the all the colors are there, all the sculptural details are there. The humans actually look pretty good though too. I mean, I'm I'm looking here at some of the close-ups. I can see the side profile of Grant, and he's he, he looks spot on. Hmm. Yeah, of course, it'd be very hard to do. To no, not to scale, but it's a 120 scale. But to do the whole visitor center rotunda and fit all this in, what they've done here with the stat of the base and having the Tyrannosaur sort of curve around the back, and your characters and raptors in the front. On those raptor skulls, I wonder if it's um, they seem a lot more Lost World to me, which has me sort of hope that they're planning something else and they're using the mold for this and in something new. I mean the I mean the sculpts in the movie were the same as they were in the first movies, so I mean it's it's just the heads look like they dip a lot towards the eyes and the eye and the brow ridges on the eyes are over exaggerated. Yeah, yeah, I see what you mean there. Now I thought you meant the the skull itself was narrow and those there those humans do look do look pretty good. That Grant doesn't look um, well. It looks a lot better than what the one we had before with the T Rex breakout. Looks a little bit better. Mm-hmm. But a lot of brown, a lot of brown and grey removes as well, because um, just the way they they coloured the animals back in the day. Yeah. Of course, you got the uh, the, the the base of the uh, the skeletons that were in the rotunda as well, and some bones lying all over the place. Mm-hmm. It's kind of an amalgamation, but it's really nice because the it's like a small round table kind of diorama. It's not really exactly the scene from the movie because at the point the raptors are in, the pose they're in, the T-Rex wasn't didn't make a, an appearance yet. Meanwhile, the um, the T-Rex is kind of lording over them, kind of like the centerpiece of the, of the diorama here. So it still looks really nice. And I think that a lot of fans will be happy with it. Yeah, and that, that once again that comes down just a different um, mm-hmm. artist impression or the, the liberties they've taken. It's no different to the uh, like the side the sideshow statue that came out a while ago of having the uh, one dead raptor in the Tyrannosaurus mouth and the others up on the on up on the uh, side of her, putting those scars yeah. into a flank and that. And it's just it's same here. Well, I've, I've seen one person complain. Well, where's the when dinosaurs roam the, the Earth flag? But it, even trying to do that, having wire or something suspend that flag above above the Tyrannosaur as well it'd be just it'd be too much mm-hmm. um, just trying to fit too much of the scene in if I recall um, Prime One Studios is also doing their own Rex Rotunda which does include the um, banner that's falling over I, mean, I think it includes it's like a um, I'm not really sure what the material is but, it's, but you can fold it over like the back of the T-Rex or something hmm. I'll have to have a look at that again but uh, of course, it's made out of polystone, thirteen and a half pounds. So <laughs> shipping, uh, <laughs> ten and a half inches high, uh, eighteen, nine, nine, inches wide, and um, fourteen and a half inches tall or deep. So she's a uh, she's a big set for nine hundred dollars. It's probably a good price too. Plus they uh, have the payment plan, and you can throw your ten percent deposit down without getting in too deep in case something happens. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Uh, and secondly, uh, Dave, I remember you sent me some of these photos a couple of weeks ago, and 
I um, marvelled at the uh, the Iron Studios Dilophosaurus that they got coming out too for just $120. Uh, mm-hmm. Remind me, how much were the Raptors, the individual Raptors? You got one, didn't you? Just the Raptor, not the kitchen? I never got the Raptor. I think the seller I ordered it through had ordered it from Chronicle. Oh, uh, okay. <laughs> and as we know, Chronicle is not sending anything out anymore. So one of the things they never sent out was the Raptors. Okay. Okay. I was just wondering on price. I'm pretty sure the Raptors were about $99, weren't they? Uh, they were actually, I think, about about this price. About this price? I think they were I think they were in, uh, initially 99 and then I think they went on sale for, at the Iron Studio site for this price. Okay. Yeah. Well, of course, there's a lot more painted detail on this Dilophosaurus. I commented to you when you mm-hmm. sent me the pictures how much it looks like the, uh, the Horizon version from back yeah. in the day. Yeah, it reminds me a lot of the um, the, the Stan Winston Studio maquette, which, as I mentioned, was the um, the basis for the Horizon sculpt, mm. which was actually cast directly from the Stan Winston uh, um, set. Yep. Or maquette, I'm sorry. <laughs> Been a long week. I, I just got off two back-to-back... Um, Five five day vacations with the Christmas and then New Year's. <laughs> uh, so this was my first full week back, but yeah, we got you, you can easily see that uh, it's they're standing there with the uh, frill frill flared out, and then you can see a lot of these sculptural details going along the, on the back with the uh, paint as well and the red on the bottom of the throat. Mm. Yeah, and I've seen I've seen one comment again, hoping or wanting the frill to be removable so you could have it um, yeah. in its sort of more natural pose. But it, again, this is sort of their interpretation. They want it to be in this pose. It's it's just about to spit at uh, at Nedry, so they want to uh, reflect that. The only thing I don't really care for is the fact that the tongue on the original maquette and the um, animatronic, the tongue was forked but unfortunately not on this figure it was actually on the kenner toy but i don't don't think any sculpts since then have included that detail did that make it into the film to the animatronic i mean you can't really make it out but a lot of that scene is so dark that there's a lot of details and a lot of paint that went into the animatronic that you just never see so yep i mean it's not a it's not a huge detail to miss, but I mean, for the fans like us that know it all, it's kind of a noticeable detail that yeah. they missed. Yeah. Well, you, as you said, you got the 4K version now, so maybe you might be able to pick up on it a little bit better. <laughs> um, I think I actually might pick this one up. I mean, for $120, it's actually really, really nice. And. I mean, like I said, like we said, it reminds me a lot of the maquette, and it would be a really cool maquette to have. Hmm. I do know that on statue form, they kind of suspected that this may have originally been part of a larger diorama, but um, but for some reason or another, Iron Studios scrapped that idea and just decided to go with a regular kind of static pose here. Oh, I'll, I'll blame COVID. <laughs> COVID's, COVID's default. <laughs> they yeah, couldn't maybe. get the rest of it made. But yeah. Maybe, yeah. Or, I mean, even, like, maybe um, some kind of 
a licensing issue with the Jeep or something, or Wayne Knight couldn't they couldn't get Wayne Knight on board to do the um, facial sculpt or something. Oh man, if it come if it come with a small hill, you got an actual uh, one ten scale Jurassic Jeep with um, the door open and fake fake water running down in front of it and all the all that whole scene and much like the uh the transport breakout you could buy the jeep you could buy the nedry you could buy this that it'd probably put up around a thousand dollar mark as well but that would be absolutely fantastic oh it would be so beautiful i mean i can imagine in my head it'd be like a kind of like a small square you just got the hill nedry sitting there in front of a jeep and the dial officer of course standing in front of him with his mouth open and then, of course, you got the Jeep at the top of the hill as the at, at the top of the um, diorama uh, stuck on that fallen tree. Yeah, that would that would be really cool. Though that does remind me that recently Mattel they didn't reveal, but it was kind of kind of leaked, kind of not. That um, I think uh, Collect Jurassic actually broke this news. That Mattel had um, is going to come out with a Nedry Dilo and covered Jeep three pack, I guess. Oh, nice. Which is which I think was originally intended to have been a diorama, just like we had just described, where the um, with the Jeep at the top of the hill and Nedry and the Dilo, but of course um, Mattel scrapped all their playset ideas, so. We never got that. Mm, that's a shame. And just thinking too now, the um, I suppose you could use the Amber Collection, Nedry, Dolph Saw, and it's got the E-Stocks on as well, and make your own little hill and use the um, either Jada Jeep or one of the other Jeeps as a stand-in. Um, not being the correct Jeep, of course, but do your own little diorama as well until until they finally get around to doing something themselves for release, but... Yeah, I've I've got the Horizon one, so I think I might just stick with that. It's I think it's a lot bigger than one tenth. I'm not quite sure what what scale they are, but it's um the previous. I'm not sure what scale it is either. I, maybe one sixth. Can't remember. Mm. It's yeah, but they're not. It's the other thing too. They're not. It must change because the Dilophosaurus and the Brachiosaurus are definitely not in scale with each other. <laughs> oh yeah, definitely not. Yeah. Yeah, that might be. Closer, more to like one fifteenth or something. Yeah, yep. Well, the Brachiosaur is nearly on par with what the Mattel one is. Mhm. They're almost the same size, so if that if <laughs> if that can explain it anymore. Scrubbed out, Dad. I got cut from the team. Thanks for knowing. The school cut you from the team. Moving on, Jurassic World Camp Cretaceous over Christmas or just before Christmas, we uh got the trailer for season two which and the release that uh well the news that's coming out on january 22nd which is only a couple of weeks away now as we record this shows about what we expect from the trailer of course the kids are being left behind um left to survive uh, or as the uh the taglines spell out in the trailer adapt evolve and survive um heading back to seemingly the uh, ruined Camp Cretaceous and building their own tree fort and everything else. Uh, Camp Kenji, I believe it's called. <laughs> yeah, we're finally getting the um, Jurassic Lord of the Flies um, that was originally envisioned, I guess, as the uh, Jurassic Park 3 storyline. 
So mm. we'll get we'll be getting those abandoned group of kids stuck on the island having to fend for themselves. Mm-hmm. I do like how um, they're off to Main Street to try and find a telephone and realise that uh, the Tyrannosaurus out and it's her uh, it's her lair <laughs> in the middle of the park <laughs> there. So this is so cool. <laughs> um, I mean, it's terrible, absolutely bad. This is the worst thing ever. <laughs> uh, like as I said, uh, he is daring as all of us. <laughs> yep, one hundred percent. It um it does sort of, and we'll we'll find out in a couple of weeks why. But uh, why they why they go back and build Camp Kenjin? Don't uh, try and find somewhere in the main street. Or they're in that area to bunker down, probably because of the Trenosaur. But with fences down, she can move wherever she likes. So not really, <laughs> not really anywhere safe on the island. As we see, the uh, the Baronics are on the scene here with season two. We knew they were coming, and uh, and we got the uh, the shot of the uh, Ceratosaurus as well in uh, a new paint job, yeah. new colours. So yeah, it looks like we're going to be getting the um, Baryonyx and Ceratosaurus that we had seen Mattel make figures of originally for their initial wave of Camp Cretaceous toys. Hmm. I think it was, uh, what, what was it? It was like Grim, the Baryonyx or something like that? Oh, I can't remember the trio's names now. Mm. I remember one of them was Grim. Hmm. It was the green one. I can't recall if one had a scar. I think that was more the uh, the Carnotaurus. Yeah, well, I, I remember that Carnotaurus Toro had the Toro. scar. Yeah. Which I imagine, he, I think he is still around. So we'll, we'll we might see Toro return in season two. Hmm. Yep. And of course, being a trailer, we had to have the Tyrannosaur save the humans. Uh, even though it was going after Parasol Office and not another carnivore, she's just going to be a game that uh, stay in the background and raw sort of thing by the looks of it. I mean, she is the apex predator on the island. Not that the Indominus is dead. Pretty much everything. She pretty much everything is fair game except for probably the Apatosaurus and the Brachios. Hmm. No. Yep. Yeah, and we are getting a few more animals in the uh, season two as well, getting Compies and Brachiosaurus on top of uh, some of the other ones we've seen. We saw the Compies in season one. They were around a couple times, but it looks like we'll actually be getting some different colors. We'll be seeing the regular green ones and the pale green ones, as we had seen in The Lost World as sexual dimorphism, and then we're seeing a third new color that's red. Or brown or something like that. It's like a brownish red. Yeah. yeah. Hopefully we get some figures of them as well. Mm. Yeah. Um, as people have been mentioning, though, a life-sized uh, super colossal or even amber collection copy would be amazing. I would shell out so much money for that. I know that um, NECA did, did that with the... Uh, face hugger, and it was very popular where they came up with a life size face hugger with a bendy tail. I don't know what hasn't been done already. It makes it makes the most sense out of any any of them, either that or the baby, the babies from the petting zoo as a super colossal. Yeah, yeah that. Yeah. I, I hope that's on the cards, and it's something they're going to do. 
I do know, speaking of the babies from the petting zoo, I do remember the uh, there was like a rideable Triceratops vehicle that had came out for Jurassic World. Mm-hmm. So I do remember that. But I don't. But yeah, as far as like a posable toy or anything, I'm I'm not sure why that hasn't been done yet. Could be maybe just a, like a little bit too big, but I do know for like a super colossal life sized copy that would be so cool. Yeah. Yep. And you could paint it three different ways and release it three different times. <laughs> and would buy it. <laughs> Yeah, I do like the uh, the shot of the compies jumping all over the gyros, the broken gyrosphere too. Where we get in the trailer. It's mm-hmm. so it's good here now. We're bridging the gap of that sparkling clean park to uh, Fallen Kingdom, the Lost World, where everything's just destroyed, <laughs> which is uh, my zone. That's where I want to be. So yeah, I am definitely getting Fallen Kingdom vibes from the trailer here. So I think we're going to see some tie-ins to Fallen Kingdom in this season. Maybe even some, like, rumbles from the island itself or something. That would be good, just, yeah, have that little bit of a... Uh, starting to tie in. I, I still... It's a bit of a shame that uh, Season 1 was the only sort of stuff we had with the park running, and I still would have liked uh, a little bit more of trying to tie in what was going on in the background of Jurassic World and that, but now we... Um, Especially this trailer here, we can see they've focused a lot on adding animals that we see in Fallen Kingdom that weren't there. Um, we know it kind of tore us off in the restricted zone, that sort of stuff as well, and the Cynoceratops. So they're um, at least they're, they're, it seems like they're trying <laughs> or doing uh, doing the right thing by trying to bridge it as much as they can. Yeah. Well, it'd be interesting if they like because we see them in the tunnels riding Owen's motorcycle. So it'd be interesting that if, like, near closer to the end of the season, at some point they see, they, like, come across some one a geothermal section and they see lava starting to, like, overcome some of the lower levels of the geothermal plant that was on the island. Mm-hmm. We can only hope. <laughs> if you look to the right, you will see a herd of the first dinosaurs on our tour, called Dilophosaurus. One of the earliest carnivores, we now know Dilophosaurus is actually poisonous, spitting its venom at its prey, causing blindness and eventually paralysis, allowing the carnivore to eat at its leisure. This makes Dilophosaurus a beautiful but deadly addition to Jurassic Park. Next up, uh, Jurassic Korea on Twitter. Um, He's been posting the Pedia discussion page or group on uh, Facebook. And um, post he's been looking or trying to find the original Jurassic World script, and he did find a excerpt that, um, from the script describing Owen as 34, scruffy and handsome. Um, my ass movie. Chris Pratt is not 34 years old. That's um, that's five years younger than what I am. <laughs> <laughs> and to prove, I just went to IMDb and he was born in '79, so he would have been. Yeah, 41 now, he would have been 36 when Jurassic World was released, so... Uh, I mean... You can kind of fuck it a little. Yeah. I can't believe he's that young, though. Although, <laughs> 40, 41 now. It was it was six years ago. Going on six years ago, so... Yeah. We have moved a little bit further away, but... Yeah, just... Because that's not in the uh, junior novelization or anything as well, so just... He's, um... 
the character being 34, so a little bit younger than what his uh, real life actor is. Owen, are they safe? No, they're not. What are their names? Well, you got Charlie, his Echo, here is Delta. This one's called Blue. She's the beta. Who's the alpha? You're looking at him, kid. Something else that's not really uh, much to talk about, but David, you uh, posted up about a rumour of a scene in Jurassic World featuring a tiki bar and possibly a uh, celebrity concert uh, singing act going on, maybe even Mariah Carey or something like that in uh, Jurassic World. So, yeah, we do have concept art that uh, was from the movie of like a tiki kind of bungalow thing that was um, for the movie. Like I think there was, um, it had one shot that was just like tiki huts and a bar. And then another shot where you could, it was a bit wider. You could see that it was in the lagoon area. I think this was originally from when the island was where the park was on the coast of the island. And you could actually look out onto the ocean and from the um, main part of the park and just, like, see. I think they even had, like, uh, what is that, Sandals Resorts, where they have the um, they have the huts on the water. Yeah. I, th- I yeah. think there's even concept art with that, where they had uh, something like that. And I do know that they had these sweepstakes here that I included in another image of, where they had... Um, a Hawaiian vacation that looked very similar to this Tiki Hut style thing they were going with. Mm. Yeah, that that center middle pick of just looking down over the lagoon and the ocean out through the trees, that's, you can clearly see that it is art, but that that could be a photo from Hawaii or Fiji or any any, um, any sort of uh, island resort, and it, it looks fantastic. Yeah, it does. And the other thing was is that when this was revealed, I believe that um, the rumors started circulating that there was going to be a tiki bar scene in the scripts with, um, I, th- I think it was going to be like a off-the-clock off scene involving like Claire and um, Owen and some of the other staff. And we see him at the tiki bar, and in the background there would have been a Mariah Carey song that would have been written for the movie alone, kind of like what uh, some some of the James Cameron and Peter Jackson movies, where they have um, credit songs that are try they try to repeat the "My Heart Will Go On" from Celine Dion in Titanic, where that that, that you still hear that played today on the radio <laughs> covers <laughs> sometimes, but. I mean, it's like that song is at this point over 20 years old and people still know it. And it would, it first originally came out as the Titanic song. Mm. Yeah, I think that having a, um, a lot of films that have sort of a, uh, a theme song covered by or produced by or made by, sung by, uh, having that, um, that song either in the film or at the credits severely dates a lot of films by having that included. Yeah, I really don't care for it. I know that Peter Jackson did it in the original Lord of the Rings trilogy, I think because it was kind of the thing to do back then because James Cameron was doing it. 
and then he did it again with the Hobbit movies, and it was just seemed really anachronistic because nobody does that anymore. <laughs> you know, yeah. It was, it, it, I, I rush for the remote before I hear the pop version of <laughs> Only Mountain. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, there's the other um, the other alternative, the other the other thing as well where. You just have uh, have a celebrity appearance singing one of their songs. Uh, for an example, uh, Spider Man one with um, Macy Gray for the parade, doing her little ditty there in the parade while uh, Spider Man swinging around doing his thing with Goblin. I since it's a, the Christmas to the holiday period and we're at a VIP Tiki Lounge, I could see some sort of celebrity act being there. Um, I'm glad we didn't have the whole. Owen and Claire off the clock because there's a lot of stuff happening in this film as, as it is and even if there was just a snippet of 10-15 seconds of um, as we're going through the park whatever uh, someone her uh, Mariah Carey or uh, any 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 singers in there sort of just pumping out a couple of lines of one of their famous tunes or something playing for the VIPs mm-hmm. or whoever's However expensive this tiki bar is, but I could sort of <laughs> I could sort of see, but yeah, I definitely wouldn't want a a, um, a soundtrack songs inspired by or produced for Jurassic World. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm glad we don't have a Mariah Carey the Jurassic World song. You know, <laughs> well, it could be worse. We could have had a an Eminem. Indominus just goes on and or something. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> like, like he did for Venom. Uh, that's enough about that. <laughs> no, seriously, he did. He did. Eminem did a song. I think it was a credit song. Oh, he for did the movie too. Venom. Yeah, what? yeah, he did too. I remember that now. Yeah. I think we got a better version of Jurassic World. <laughs> uh, um, so yeah, I, I thought it was an interesting little thing to discuss anyway. You put a tourniquet on. Ian? Ian? Remind me to thank John for a lovely weekend. Either uh, November or December... No, it would be December because that's near. Either uh, October or November's issue of Jurassic Minutes, we mentioned uh, Jurassic World Aftermath was on its way out. Um, it is now out, people have been playing it, and I'm not going to spend thousands of dollars on Oculus and all the all the new VR gear just to play it. I, I'm going to go to YouTube and hopefully, I, I hope you can plug it into some sort of recording device so there's playthroughs, if, if there's a world there's a way, and they'll be over there. But um, yeah. Jurassic World Aftermath, set two years after the events of Jurassic World, uh, prior to the events of Fallen Kingdom, of course, um, you play as Sam, who's a voiceless protagonist serving as an avatar to the players and she's been hired for an illegal asset retrieval mission on Isla Nublar sounds familiar, <laughs> sounds just like Fallen Kingdom or the start of it anyway um, <laughs> and then of course uh, horror ensues as she's being chased around the place by raptors and all sorts of other nasties mm-hmm. I believe that Clayton Fiordi has already um it's already announced that he's planning to do a full walkthrough of the game, so I think that's where I'll be getting getting my view of it from. Because like like you, I really don't see the point in spending the money on all the AR, VR kind of stuff they do right now. It 
seems to me like it's kind of being a bad game, like right now, like kind of like the Wii was. If anybody remembers the Wii, that was the last time I bought a new <laughs> <What>? console. <laughs> it's still here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and it was a eBay one, so of course everything's in Japanese. <laughs> All the title menus and everything's in Japanese, so I haven't been able to change any settings on it. <laughs> Yeah, so apparently the game is in canon. We do have um, the involvement of Dr. Henry Wu in there as well. Although I, I have heard there are some interfill debate about uh, some things not matching up with canon. Uh, again, I'll have to watch the video and uh, and comment after it. I'd, if, if Clayton's doing that's going to be fun because I did love his trespasser, <laughs> his trespasser walkthrough. So um, hopefully his uh, aftermath one is good and fun like that as well. But in the game, we do have, we do get a bit more of a um, expansion of canon. Um, the use of general geothermal power plant, for example. Um, of course, there's a uh, mission in there where you got to get systems back online so you can unlock doors and computers to try and stay alive. So there are, seems like they're rehashing a lot of what we've seen in the Jurassic series before. Door locks. Got to boot up the door locks. <laughs> yep, exactly. Um, and we have some interesting different coloured raptors running around too, so there's, uh, again, just more more happening on New Blood and what we are seeing in the film. There will be no raptors running around on this island, <laughs> except, for the, uh, except for the 50 different multicoloured ones that we already produced. <laughs> he really didn't know what was going on. <laughs> of where? Our boat, their airlift, they're both waiting for an order, we have no way to send. All right, all right. There's a communications center here at the, near the old operations building. Haven't ran everything on geothermal power. It was never meant to need replenishing. If we can get here, we can send a radio call for the airlift. All right, so that's the, uh, that's the end of the news. Uh, a little bit there to discuss. Going into our Jurassic Backlot history report now. Uh, unless you're new to the show and haven't listened to the Lost World Minotaur, Jurassic Park 3 Minutes, we talked a lot about the, uh, the, the Backlot um, the worker village being built there, then the Embryonics Administration being built there as well. Being one of the locations apart from Hawaii, uh, Eureka, that they uh, actually filmed part of the series in. And of course, um, Jurassic World moving down to Florida to Orlando on that as well to do filming down there and building Main Street. And we've, we've talked in the past too about how much detail went into building these sets. And... Uh, a lot of it not being seen in the final films either because we didn't see that part of the set or it being dark uh, in the Lost World's case. But yeah, over the, over the last three or four years we've uh, we've talked a lot about it at various times uh, over the existence of the set but we've never really discussed the timeline as the Lost World set was shown. It was slowly pulled down in sections, uh, redressed in the JP3 set and then left it to decay behind that uh, plane crash for War of the Worlds. But um, I've, I've spent the last two months probably going through every universal uh, family behind the scenes tram tour video that uh, I could find on YouTube. I can't imagine back in the 90s getting videos off your uh, your DV camcorder or your VHS video camera <laughs> to uh, upload onto YouTube, but a lot of uh, people have, and without these videos there'd be no way of uh, revisiting the sets. Since it is sadly gone now. Yeah, <laughs> I do have one gripe though. Uh, a lot of people have the cameras going when they get to the psycho house, and then as soon as the tram passes it, they turn them off. 
<laughs> so there's, there's a lot of a lot of videos I've seen where you could see just approaching the tram tour, you could see the operations building or the uh, the visitors at uh, a worker village or whatever in the background for a split second, and then they do the little gag with um, Norman Bates or someone at the psycho house walking out for knife and um, scaring the tram away, and then all of a sudden it cuts to Falls Lake and uh, whatever's going on there or. Uh, the Fast and the Furious ride, so <laughs> it was, uh, uh, especially when there was some videos there at the right times where um, the uh, Jurassic Park free set was being redressed and everything, then it would have uh, actually showed a lot more, so it, that's sad. If you're yeah. going to do, do a video of the tram tour, do the whole tram tour, please. <laughs> <laughs> it's such a tease. Yeah, yep. And especially when you've got a, a 30 minute video and that, you've got to start and scrub through it, fast forward and try and find... Luckily, the tram tour being the same layout for all these years, it makes it easy as soon as you get past Amity and the Bates Motel, you know, the uh, Jurassic Back lot's next on the, the stop, or next on the tour, but uh, looking at a bit of the history of the site, back in the mid-1990s, of course, the, the Back Lot site uh, housed the Psycho House. Um, I never realised before that it and the Bates Motel were from the same, same movie, I don't know why I didn't put that connection there, but of course the Bates Motel just being down the bottom. Because it's not the Psycho Motel, it's the Bates Motel. <laughs> anyway, I, I haven't seen a lot of that film, so that's, that's probably why as well. Um, but the area had that man-made uh, waterfall, which still exists to this day and is now part of the uh, sort of back parkland area uh, where employees can disappear and um, just enjoy the outdoors in the middle of LA if need be, since the, uh, the set was demolished. But... Um, <laughs> Keep in mind, it is L.A., and they are enjoying more than just the outdoors. <laughs> that too. <laughs> uh, but the, uh, the the waterfall actually had a stream running straight through the middle of the back lot there, down to the uh, that outside pool at the uh, Falls Lake area. But that all got covered up when the John Candy film, The Great Outdoors, was being filmed in 95, and uh, the, that massive uh, woodlog mansion that was built for the film... I was going to try and find the Great Outdoors and just see if there's any exterior shots of the cabin on site and see if you can see that waterfall and that in the background. I never got around to it, so I um, I still need to do that, even though there'll be no Jurassic infrastructure uh, in there whatsoever. But um, after 95, when the film was released, it was uh, picked up and moved to the other side of the road in front of that Falls Lake area, and it's still there today uh, as a... As a, um, as a attraction as a standpoint on the uh, tram tour mm-hmm. all the pumping equipment for all those falls can be uh, seen on a lot of the tours as well next to the uh, operations building helipad set where uh, all those pumps sort of pump the water back up from the falls to or the fall lake to the uh, the waterfall i think there's also they kind of since they did kind of make their own little jurassic section now with the refurbished with like refurbished tram friendly gates uh using the original engine sign that had been on the worker village and featuring like i think they got like a sawed in half um ford explorer with some of the bones from the um from of the some of the apatosaurus bones as well as the one of the trailers and a couple of the hunter vehicles and i think a section of the jp3 cage Mm. Well, yeah, much like the uh, the backlot set and all the chopping and changing went on there, a lot of uh, a lot of changes went around to that sort of Lost World display, even though they played a Jurassic Park theme when they got through it. <laughs> um, 
early videos you can see the uh, the the RV tires clear pumped up in that where now it's stuck either sunk in the dirt or the tires are just rotten off the bottom of it. Um, a lot of the vehicles there falling into decay just being out in the open. But uh, smaller stuff like the cage off the uh, the JP3 boat, the J3 uh, JP3 boat itself was there for a time. Um, vehicles come and went. Uh, a lot of engine vehicles littered the back lot as well for the tram tour out there um, over the years as well. So just you know, I've got a, a full list of all the videos I actually looked at and got information from in the uh, reference section at the bottom. If anyone, I'll post them up on the Facebook group if anyone wants to actually go and have a look. But yeah, it, um, a lot of changes over the years. But uh, in um, in 1996. Um, well, late 96, early 97, uh, the After Lost World was filmed and filming was done and the film was released. Uh, the set was de-dressed, lights, power and uh, film equipment and the plants all removed from the Worker Village. That's when we got the, uh, the Vince Vaughan E-Entertainment One Hour Behind the Scenes set tour, um, which showed a lot of uh, a lot of stuff, the bones still in the front ga- in front of the front gates at the uh, geothermal plant there. Mm-hmm. Interesting, there's a lot of people walking over the roof and all around the uh, operations building in that video as well, so I don't know if they're still pulling things off it or just uh, making the set or doing some sort of alteration to the set to have it left there, just fastening something so it doesn't blow away or or anything like that. It uses the same interview locations as the Vanessa Chester, the Lee Chester video that we get um, later as well. Assuming they um, they filmed all the interviews with the actors uh, in those different areas around the operations building at the same time, and used them for um, for different videos because that's also on the, the behind the behind the scenes videos on the DVDs as well. But uh, yeah, everything outside the fence been removed as well. Also, I noticed too the maybe being a test shot, but uh, in that uh, behind the scenes video, we get um, Ian uh, Rowland and Ludlow looking at that map. I don't know, it might be RJ looking at that map, and it's actually shot in the daytime. So I don't know if they just shot that scene in the day and then darkened it for the film to make it look like they were in the creek at night. I doubt that, because I remember this, because the scene's actually shot on a set. So yeah. That'd be weird. Yeah. Yeah, because then he says the one more hour, and we'll hit it, and just sort of Malcolm steps up and walks off uh, off screen one side, and RJ just goes up and stands behind the cameraman out of shot, and... <laughs> and um, yeah, Roland turns his flashlight off, so, so something a bit weird there. But uh, around this time too, we also got the mural, mural, mural removed from the operations building. Uh, all the furniture removed from the building as well. No asphalt road in the village set uh, at this point until we get the uh, the Vanessa behind the scenes video. So that come in towards the end of '97. Mm-hmm. We get the uh, the trampled satellite dish next to the satellite pumps, which we see in sliders the year later. And um, there's still light rigs on set and the satellite dish on the roof between the kiln shed and the boarding house, so maybe they were um, setting some stuff up, getting ready for the tram tour there. Yeah, I do remember that after the movie and around this time, they'd started kind of using the back lot of, of the Lost World to be something of almost like a dumping site for a lot of the just random props used in the movie, like the Jeeps, the um, the 76 ball that the T-Rex yeah. knocks down, and yeah. like you said, the satellite dish too. Mm. Yeah, that's that's definitely something that you see in sliders, just the amount, the amount of junk, crates and everything that's been dumped on the set. Um, and you do see some of that in the in the backlot tours as well. But 
as I said before, we get the uh, the Vanessa Lee Chester video interview there, uh, post-filming, but before the film's release. Uh, There's a bit of a marketing video um, that New Asphalt's gone down through the middle for the uh, mentioned tram tour that they say in the video. Some of the cars have been removed. The chef pickup still parked up in front of the boarding house with the power pole laying across it. But the uh, Suburban and all that are off, uh, parked over next to the operations building. And that's when the movie Gangland come in. I mentioned a few episodes ago that I'd got that DVD set, or DVD um, on film, and we've um, sort of discussed some of the things that come out of that, uh, out of that film, a lot more uh, inside the operations building and around it than, um, than what we got from the backlot murders. Sadly, at this time, the whole worker village was there dressed, and they never turned the camera once to show it off, which is a shame. But you can obviously see the uh, in some photos you can see the uh, the waterfall running beside the operations building, which would have um, would have been a nice shot at night time in the Lost World, seeing that waterfall as uh, Ian and Ian and that are coming into the worker village. It would have been. I kind of wonder if the waterfall had been like a small remnant of that concept art for it, it kind of served two uh, dual purposes it would wanted it was a filtration system for the pond for after the movie but it was also a leftover remnant to the uh, waterfall behind the operation center that was conceptualized at one point well that might that might be the reason why they built the set there in the first place because that waterfall was there uh, I think it was a 90. 1992 video I've seen with that with that the video there it actually it's sort of an old timey tram tour video and one of their attractions is oh we got a man made waterfall <laughs> and it just sort of runs and you can see it in that that back lot it's just an empty lot with the waterfall running down into a stream that runs down to the the falls lake so as you said a lot of that concept art had the waterfall in the background maybe that's what they'll they're going for and then um, ultimately abandon it <laughs> as Ludlow would say mm-hmm. but uh, on the gangland set uh, inside the operations building although the set's mostly been de-dressed there's still vines hanging all over the roof and although the mural's been removed we do see that uh, in general we make your future painted sign visible above where the mural wall is that uh, wasn't seen in the lost world and is in the exact same font as what we got on that uh, that sign above the entrance gate so don't know what what was happening there. We got the we got that sign on the wall, but it was covered in vines for the film. I do suspect that a lot of the um, set dressing for the worker village that we saw in the movie was meant to be shown off a lot more than what we had than what we had initially got because there's that entire left side where they have all that stored equipment that we never even get to see in the movie. And you don't dress parts of a set that you don't plan to shoot. Mm. I mean, Spielberg is very, very um, frugal in that sense, in that he he won't he will show you only see what he wants you to see, and he wouldn't have bothered to have dressed that side of the worker village if he didn't plan on showing it to us, you know. Yeah, and we mentioned during the sliders discussion, which we just uh, re-released last week as a um, reminder. The back hallways and all that sort of stuff, and we see that in um, Gangland here as well. There seems to be like a patio area behind the behind the, the the mural wall and that out next to the tower structure and that with um with walkways and ramps leading off to the hill behind it. So a lot more a lot more going on with that set than what we see in the film. 
outlines on the walls can be seen where lights were removed. In particular, there's one shot um, above that rear door that goes up to the helipad above the storeroom where you can see where the uh, the emergency lights were when Nick and uh, Malcolm and that ran out the back to uh, get to the helicopter. We get the base of the tower finally as well. Two-story structure with windows and double double glass doors around it as well and louvers, of course, here being de-dressed, so we got no idea what was in this room at all in the film, but at the time, the operations building in Worker Village was going to have a lab as well, so possibly test tubes and beakers and mm-hmm. <laughs> some sort of lab equipment. What we do see during the the interview, which is the same interview that had Nick and uh, well, yeah, Nick and Kelly, that also included parts of an interview from or with um, Julianne Moore, who played Sarah. That there were like a bunch of scientific equipment stored in this room. There was a bunch of um, microscopes that we see behind her. Hmm. So it, yeah. it almost seems like the. But we can also see from like the outside that there was like a shelving unit that looked like it had kind of like um, square shelving spaces for storage. So it, I almost wonder if it was like a storage area for some of the scientific equipment that they weren't using at the um, uh, administrative uh, building. Mm. Yeah, we do get a couple of shots in Gangway End of... Uh, they have a lab set up off in that, uh, that left-hand section of the thing, so I wonder if they'll manage to get some of the props back. Into that, and I couldn't find any engine logos on it if I was looking. <laughs> we also get the uh, the tower itself being a, a wooden power pole or tower pole with uh, the the telephone spikes that you climb up. Even though they're being cut off, you can see where they've been screwed into it. So access to that tower would have been up, uh, much like you climb a, a telephone pole, um, which mm-hmm. is again something we never we never seen. Well, again, I mean, it's possible that that's part of something that they'd never actually finished because Spielberg made the call to um, to finish or to stop building. So it could have been like there was a um, going to be a spiral staircase up to that second level, you know? Mm, yep. Yeah, well, that's right. They could have, we know there was going to be a lot more stuff filmed in the worker village. Mm-hmm. Well, we also again had that concept art of Nick's uh, shining his flashlight on a raptor in the second part of the work of the embryonics. I'm, I'm sorry, of the operations building, mm. and we of course never see that in the final movie. All we see is he hears a noise and he shines his flashlight before running for the radio room. Yeah, yeah, we've discussed before the uh, the concept art of just. A lot of the uh, operations building concept art had that tower as seemingly some sort of a uh, place of last resort in case animals <laughs> animals invaded or uh, raptors come into the building. Mm-hmm. But uh, after Gangland was filmed, uh, all the interior walls were removed from that left, left section of the operations building. Of all the videos I've looked at, I haven't seen a single one featuring that tram tour going through that village, whether... There was a no no cameras allowed or or what? It's a shame they 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 were sort of marketing come to Jurassic World uh, come to Universal Studios and visit the Lost World set and no one's got any photos or uh, video of it. Well, I mean, I do know that there was photos allowed because we do have photos from people who had visited it on the tram tour, but 
like you said, it's kind of a shame that we get teased it and that nobody actually that we can find actually films it. Yeah, well, yeah, well, there's famous of those photos of the man in the black jacket in the gas station at the uh, front of the operations building, and you can see the uh, the asphalt road in the background going mm-hmm. around past the gas station out, but they're really the only ones I can think of. Well, there's those, and then there's another one that was taken actually from the tram tour at the point where they started actually circumventing and not going through mm. the village. Yeah, because it was about the same time, too, that... Uh, I found a video of um, Universal Florida attraction that um, had a lot of the Lost World props down there, including um, stuff from the Hunter's Camp and that Triceratops puppet on the mm-hmm. vehicle that uh, rammed the, the Hummer. Um, I can only assume the RV and M-Class were down there at the same time as well as outside displays on the buildings for that uh, that Florida marketing push down there. But uh, once we get to late 1997 of... Uh, that's when Slide is filmed on set, as we've mentioned before, uh, everything in place. The tram road either co- removed or covered over in gravel for the filming of Sliders because um, we can see the actors running around the set there and there's no there's no road there, even though we do get one vehicle driving through the set. And again, we've got the, uh, the crumpled or trampled satellite dish there with all the uh, engine crates. But again... Go check out the sliders one for an in-depth look at uh, what's featured there. Uh, as we move into 1998 early, in one video we can see the fence is still in place. Uh, the RV is back on site and parked around beside the uh, operations building and between that and the garage, um, which would have to be after the Florida tour. We know they drove that down there for mm-hmm. the uh, marketing. Um, I know there's fans that have said they've seen that on the highway and photos, and we have photos of it parked in at... Um, Universal Florida with the, the sandwich boards out in front of it. So we know that happened. Mm-hmm. Also in one video spotted outside next to the fo- so, uh, the Psycho House, the uh, the Trenosaur cage used to house the animatronic um, on the boat and the Psycho House um, and the Red Stego cage as well that we've seen in the Hunter's Camp that was on the back lot for a little bit. Mm-hmm. Moving into late 1998, uh, all the fences were moved, but the main buildings remained up until 2000. Many of the engine 100 vehicles, as I said before, were sort of just dumped on set uh, all over the place. And the gates at the start of the uh, set, obviously, as you mentioned before, with the tram tour and that Lost World section, they uh, modified them and put them uh, there with all the rest of the Lost World, the second RV and that sort of stuff there in that section. And that's when we move into 1999, when uh, the gas stations removed. Uh, along with some more sections of the fence. Uh, we've still got the engine 100 vehicles all over the place. And uh, late 1999, the T-Rex cage is still there near the Psycho House. Uh, we've still got the gas pumps there, even though the the building was pulled down, which I wonder if um, there's a lot of shots of the back of those pumps missing, and it looks like that's the circuit breakers for the set. Yeah. Because I know they would have had one central point where all the power would have ran to to, uh, to power the set. Mm-hmm. Well, it's kind of a shame that the gas station was, in fact, the first... Well, then maybe not exactly the first, because the water tower section was pulled down the the very first, but then the gas station was the first actual building um, that became the first victim to the wrecking ball. Hmm. Yeah, and those couple of bits of fence sections behind it as well. Moving into 2000, uh, there was one video there claiming to be shot in 2000 
that shows the set um, as it appears in the 99 videos, but uh, unsure if that's true, um, because at the start of 2000, most of the village is still there, fence and the gas station, of course, is gone. Um, however, I did find a video um, shot in January of 2000 where it uh, has the Whoville set from uh, Jim, Jim Carrey's How the Grinch Stole Christmas uh, set up on the backlot site there, and it looks like it was just filmed on, so um, sometime around there, everything else was destroyed, <laughs> um, because by mid-2000, uh, and the author confirmed, uh, the poster of the video confirmed this was shot in March of 2000, the, uh, the kiln shed and boarding house had been removed, uh, the gas pumps and breaker box gone, the Whoville set had been built for How the, Stritch, Street, uh, How the Grinch Stole Christmas, Surprisingly, leaving the operations building in touch, in, intact, behind, hidden behind the set. If you look at that video, you can see the um, they built a big snow wall, like a side of a mountain, to uh, so you couldn't see the operations building from the set of Whoville. <laughs> I remember you saying that you wanted to watch the movie to see if it actually <laughs> appears. <laughs> I doubt that it does. I mean, it, it, kind of like a post-apocalyptic building kind of puts a damper on your Christmas movie. <laughs> yeah, that was... it is about the Grinch. <laughs> that was wishful thinking. I haven't watched it, but just re-watching that Tram Tour video again, just seeing how big a set wall they built there to hide it, um, there's there's no way. It'd just be sitting in the background of one shot somewhere. Yeah. Um, <laughs> plus, I don't really want to watch the film just to find out. <laughs> by, uh, by late 2000, Whoville had been moved down beside Bates Motel, uh, this was seen in an August video. Uh, by the late 2000s, the regis of the uh, operations building into the Embronics administration building was well underway. Although, again, I could not find a single video showing uh, the lab set, the car park, the cars, the lights, all that sort of stuff out in front of the uh, Embronics administration building. It just looks identical to what we see uh, in videos later in 2003. The set, uh, the operations building set, was extended to uh, include the vending machine hallway uh, at the back, and to accommodate this extension, they cut half the bottom stairs off the helipad, um, so you couldn't mm. actually access the helipad anymore, <laughs> which we see in uh, in shots. One person put up a, I think it was one of the park workers, um, took a collage of shots and posted them on the line in the uh, the early 20 teens, I think it was. This, that one was actually done spe- uh, specifically on the request of Julian Romeo, who, um, as you know, sculpted the, I think it was the Iron Studios breakout T-Rex uh, diorama. That sounds familiar. He sculpted the T-Rex for that based on the full animatronic shots and, of course, has been behind the Jurassic Park Origins fan project that, at this point, I'm not sure if it's ever going to get completed, but... <laughs> Hey, I mean, he gets a lot of models out of it, so that that's really cool to see some of the stuff that he's he's built from that. It's kind of it's almost become the fact that the fan film has become more than what it was intended to be by, in fact, launching his career with uh, digital sculpture. Yeah, yeah. No, so I wonder what he what he wanted the backlot photos, or was he including? Was he trying to do digital renders of the the set or something for? For it, was he? I think that was the idea. I believe it was, was supposed to be about Hammond building Jurassic Park and building the facilities and Sorna and all that stuff. It was really, really ambitious, and it's really unfortunate that he, I doubt that will probably ever be 
uh, be completed, but it's still really cool to see some of the things that he has created from it. Hmm. And he's built up this really, really cool archive of these kind of weird, or these kind of unique photos like these. Yeah, it's a shame. Interesting, too, one thing I found by December of uh, 2000, uh, the tram tour stopped going up to the uh, base motel and the um, psycho house, which I'm assuming that's when they were filming Jurassic Park 3, because it'd, um, it'd just take a shortcut and go straight to the uh, to the next section of the... Um, that mm. bypassed the Falls Lake as well, so... We know they've um, filmed the uh, Avery sequence on that, so I'm guessing that's when they're filming uh, Jurassic Park 3 there. Um, of course, 2001, Jurassic Park 3 coming out, uh, the set was de-dressed again, much as uh, it was seen in early 2002, where we get the uh, Backlot Murders filmed on set. We've talked about that. Um, there's nowhere near as much uh, we see on the set as we do in Gangland, but a couple of... Uh, exterior shots uh, we do get some shots inside in that vending machine hallway and we can sort of link them up to that collage of set photos we got that we just mentioned with one of the exit doors out the back to one of them stair mm-hmm. ramps it was around this time i think that there's also i didn't see listed here but in 2003 one of the episodes of crossing jordan had a night scene filmed at the um uh, what remained of the embryonics uh, administration lobby building, and you, I mean, you can see that it's clearly the inside and outside of the building itself. But unfortunately, I'm, I've never really looked for that episode. Well, that's one thing I was trying to look for, and it'll come back in uh, a couple of years' time <laughs> in the uh, in the run sheet anyway. As we move into 2004, uh, production crews and actors' RVs were parked on the backlot site um, for the cast of Desperate Housewives. They were using that area as a staging area. The actors were there in their RVs because, of course, uh, Wisteria Lane, like it was called, <laughs> is uh, is just around the corner beside the other side of Psycho House, so they were using this open area to, uh, to house Terry Hatcher and all the other Desperate Housewives. <laughs> Although I could imagine some of them wouldn't have been staying in RVs, they probably got chauffeured to and from motels <laughs> for uh, for filming. Uh, moving into mid 2000, um, that's when the plane wreckage was brought on site for Spielberg's War of the Worlds, which uh, unfortunately blocked out the uh, the Embryonics Administration set altogether. And that's around the same time when the uh, tram tours stopped pointing out the fact that this was Jurassic Backlot and the uh, the Jurassic Park Free set there too they also stopped mentioning it so it was hidden away 2007 as you mentioned before of crossing jordan the only thing i found was uh the season six finale which was shot down on falls lake beside the Jurassic area um there's some behind the scenes photos that i'll post up as well and there's one shot high up looking down at uh their own plane crash which i thought it was weird they, they actually brought a a DC-8 or something on site and and uses a plane crash when that whole Spielberg set was there that they could have reused. But uh, in the background, you can see the Embryonics Administration tucked over behind the fin of that uh, 747. Yeah, I mean, that the... I don't... I have a love-hate relationship with the War of the Worlds movie. I mean, it's... At one, at one uh, side, it is kind of a neat movie, but on the other... It was just so awful. 
<laughs> I mean, it was probably Spielberg, one of Spielberg's biggest blunders as a movie. It did not make the movie, the money it was expected to. It was not the hit it was expected to be. And Tom Cruise. <laughs> <laughs> well, as someone that enjoyed it, <laughs> I I can see your points. I I wonder if um, and this is a tangent. I wonder if it's more so the the reference material. If it's the same reason there where sort of Peter Pan movies don't really do any because it's sort of moved on from the the normal realms of pop culture or mm. so you can say the same thing with the Wizard of Oz and the, those Johnny Depp films but they're just bad <laughs> it's not <laughs> it's not the fact that it's a very old IP well I mean, it's not even Johnny Depp I mean Johnny Depp's a great actor it's just it's so many awful writing scripts and writing like that movie Transcendence <laughs> it was just awful I mean Johnny Depp was could have been good in it if he was I mean he did the best that he could with what he had mm. but it was just so awful <laughs> there's a lot there's a lot like that it's, it's a fantastic idea and something that should be explored in a movie but yeah they just mm, can't can't pull it off in the end <laughs> I've tried to find Crossing Jordan on streaming services and it's not available here I'm not going to go and purchase three or four seasons of DVDs just to <laughs> search for it for one for one shot if it does uh, end up on streaming somewhere I'll, I'll check it out and see if i can find it and report back but uh yeah that's probably one of the uh, the last things filmed on the set except for a music video that uh, come to light i think it was on pedia when we we're talking uh yeah pedia discussion group the copyright's from 2011 so i'll, I'll say it takes place in 2011 uh, at the three minute and eight minute mark we get the uh, the roof above the entrance uh we can see it's already ready to collapse, but um, uh, even though the roof has fallen down and completely covered the entrance, you can see there's a light-coloured barrier put across the front of the doors to stop people from entering. I don't know. I don't know how, but I can only imagine fans like us were either getting off the tram and just walking onto the set or exploring it without Universal's approval. <laughs> <laughs> Told you how many times we should have had locking mechanisms on the tram door. Well, the whole time I'm watching these videos, so I'm just sort of thinking, how would I have would I have sat at the very back and just sort of stepped off the tram <laughs> and, <laughs> and hope no one had seen me? Because for the longest time, even going back to school, all through the 90s, it was my ambition to get to Universal Studios so I could see this set. I was looking at exchange student exchange programs, I was looking at any way I could get over there, and then trying to explain to my parents why I wanted to go to the Universal Studios and do the backlot tour, <laughs> which could have been uh, could have been some fun if that had ever eventuated. But, uh, yeah, it's... um, I didn't put in uh, who the music video was. I know Rihanna's in it. She's one of the uh, the singers in it. I, yeah, I didn't, I didn't look too much into <laughs> the people in the video because it's just a lot of them walking around the, uh, the, the ruined plane set with fog machines going doing their uh, the singing and then um, of course they get onto that front entrance ramp to the uh, Ambronx administration building and do the rest from there uh, we do get one interesting shot too close up on the stairs leading up to the building and you can see sort of the wire mesh and the chunks of plaster that are falling off it um, from those stairs which really makes <laughs> well, can wonder if anyone considered how strong those stairs were in that ramp that was uh, filmed on because um, you clearly see here it's starting to fall apart did you see the video for that music video? 
I did, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm not really big on Rihanna's music, <laughs> so I mean, it was muted, but I did see a couple of the uh, sections that you mentioned. Yeah, yeah, the um, the video again is in the reference section, so yeah, put, put the mute button on and just uh, go to that three minute and eight, uh, yeah, three minute and eight second mark where they uh, start dancing in front of the <laughs> Embryonics building. <laughs> I think it's funny that, I mean, at this point, this building is really just starting to really fall apart like you said you can see the uh chunks of plaster starting to come away from it yet the only thing that survives even when going into 2012 here where the roof starts collapsing and the rear walls start collapsing and everything just starts really falling down that the only thing still standing is the helipad which was the only thing that was actually rated for what it was meant to be because they had to land a helicopter on it. Yeah, yep. That that and the um the concrete, the tower, and the yeah, it obviously needed to stay up as well. You don't want that falling over. <laughs> but one thing I didn't mention is way back when that operations building was uh, built, there's the set photos there of the the timber on site and all the timber pylons being put into that lake area to uh, to build it on. And I always assumed that it was the concrete base, and then they built the set off that, but. There's a lot of shots um, of the Embryonics Administration Building as it's in various levels of decay, and there's, you can see the the panels, the the plywood, and that falling off the front, the catwalks, and those those landings in front of it as well. And you can see so there's some a little bit of steel structure underneath it, but a lot of it was just timber. And here we are, 2012, 12 years after it was essentially built uh, or redressed. So you're going. 17 years after the operations building was built, that's a long time for that timber to be sitting in water and and that sort of thing. No wonder it um, started to fall in, into disrepair and collapse. Well, it is really kind of a wonder that it survived as long as it did because, I mean, that thing was... I mean, even, even the animatronics by um, Jurassic Park 3 were really starting to kind of crack and not exactly hold up to what they needed or what or for the um third movie like for example the um well the only one that was reused from the lost world the bold t-rex they had uh, the paint had really yellowed which gave it kind of a lighter paint job than what the fans were used to because the paint was fading and yellowing so it that's kind of what started spurring the idea of the t-rex being a younger individual was because the coloration was lighter when reality was just the animatronic was old. <laughs> none of the, none of the stuff was built to or to really last any longer than maybe a year or two for however long they needed it to be to last for the duration of of the filming. Yeah, it, it probably just its its only saviour was just the climate of California. We know from the RV build video, the restoration videos, that there was a couple of uh, rainstorms and water got into that. But for the most part, California is a pretty dry. Uh, pretty dry area in comparison to mm. Hawaii where we've seen two weeks after Jurassic World finished filming and the, the Indominus Rex <laughs> enclosure walls just falling apart from the humidity and that of the tropics so especially especially uh, Southern California which is a much much more arid environment than Northern California which is effectively a rainforest <laughs> <laughs> so it, they, are, they go completely on the different end, end of the spectrum in a matter of like like what, eight hundred, nine hundred miles. Yeah. Uh, as mentioned before, uh, two thousand twelve. Um, 
the most of the hallway and the roof around there, the vending machine hallway has collapsed. Uh, the rear section surrounding the tower, the tower base have fallen down as well, and a lot of these um, shots are in that uh, that collage we mentioned earlier that um, that Julian got done. Before we go to 2016, we need to circle back to Gangland because there's one important thing we did not mention, and that's the miniature <laughs> and the explosion. <laughs> we um. I posted it up on uh, various social media stuff when I managed to rip that from the movie, but they actually built a miniature of the operations building to blow up for that film, and for the most part, it's pretty. It's a pretty nice-looking miniature. They probably cut some corners on it because it's, of course, shot at night time or in the dark before the explosion, but I liked it. I'd love to have that miniature. <laughs> I, know, I mean, I honestly... It would be cool to have a replica of that miniature made by the original creator, who I can't remember if you said it or if it was somebody else said that the prop person who created the miniature was really disappointed with how it was shot because it was it was designed to be shot from a low angle to make it look more realistic than it was actually than it was actually shot, which was from a high angle, mm-hmm. which kind of ended up making it look like they just stuck a stick of dynamite in a, in a, small, <laughs> in a small model uh, yeah well it um like as the initial explosion goes it is low at the, at the front of the stairs but then it cuts to the, the side sort of high side shot as the um the, the blast sort of blows out the where the communications room that would be there and takes it <laughs> takes it all to hell but now i do see his point there where it's the way some shots are filmed of the explosion are not shots or not the way you see the building in the film um, not without having a crane anyway, but even just the, the shockwave of the explosion and the dust blowing out and the windows blowing out, it, it doesn't match up to where the explosive was <laughs> in the film at all, but it, I, I still like the, the like the shot. And, and then at the end, just you got the smoking wreck of the framework's all still there, it just pretty much blew the windows out. <laughs> even though you did have sort of the front doors and that blowout towards the camera. But I, yeah, I've, I've posted that video in that... And I do will have links in the uh, the run sheet here to uh, the Gangland videos and that, so you can have a look at um, some of the stuff there as well that was in those films. Fast forward back to 2016, and by now this is where the uh, the set is not looking much like uh, it used to. Most of the walls are collapsed in woods. The tower still stands at the rear of the site, but uh, the whole top section at the stairs, the entrance door, uh, most of the lobby area between the sort of the, the pillars either side of the entrance doors have completely collapsed into the pond below leaving a massive hole and we've got satellite images of this when um, when all that happened when they updated Google Earth but as I mentioned before I thought the whole thing was built on a concrete slab so this sort of shocked me when I just seen how how much it had imploded on itself and fallen into that uh, into that pond mm-hmm you got I almost kind of wonder if Universal left this up there for so long either because out of affection or neglect. I mean, I'd probably lean more towards neglect because they just built so many sets in front of it and tried to hide it like it was an eyesore. But in the end, it really was an eyesore and it kind of just died a really undignified death. Yeah, I wonder if there was maybe just the, the cost to pull it down they didn't want to pay that money when they could just leave it there. It's not it's not the only thing on the uh, the back lot that's just been left because they either don't know what to do with it or don't want to spend the money to remove it. 
obviously the other buildings and everything else in the working village set was removed because they needed the space for building new sets. It kind of reminds me of both Universal's treatment of the original Orca from Jaws <laughs> and the uh, the Jeep 10, which, which was kind of shuffled around various parts of the park before being kind of uh, overturned and used as a prop in one of the Halloween Horror Nights before being sent to the Crusher. Yeah. And then, of course, the Orca from Jaws was famously just... It was originally meant to be refurbished and put on display in the Jaws area, but they, it just never happened, and it just sat there and rot, dry-rotted. Mm. Well, well, while we're on the, the Orca and the Jaws section, I I remember seeing the photo once the um, they had the the bigotry of the SS Venture on that pond. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't see any videos filmed around 96, 97, 98 um, that showed that there, unless it was off in a part where you couldn't see, which was a shame because there's photos of it on that pond, so we know it was there at some time. But talking about set <laughs> degradation and that too, one video of a bloke, he was actually on foot. He got off the tram tour <laughs> and uh, he was at the psycho house and sort of sticking the camera through cracks in the walls and that to show that it's just a an empty empty house, really, an empty facade. But even, even sort of that place, we joked on other shows where, yeah, Spielberg's not going to m- remove or um, pull down the psycho house just to extend the worker village to have the 13 buildings there, but Universal's doing it themselves by just leaving it there and not looking after it. There's, there's panels falling off it. We, I'm pretty sure we've discussed too about the the A, the, the Hero DeLorean too that was just parked in a in a shed to rot away. Mm-hmm. Much like a lot of those cars that are parked in that, uh, that, that movie car section as well are just sitting there they, they did eventually put um sort of mesh above it to take away some of the sun's effect on the on the paint and that but you see a lot of vehicles that are towards the end of their life in that section and they're they're pretty pretty bad shape yeah so i mean yeah universal doesn't exactly have the great greatest track record with um with preserving iconic props and sets <laughs> <laughs> No, no, and that's when we get to 2019, and we discussed when we were, uh, I think it was the end of the end of 2019 on one of the podcast episodes there for Jurassic Park 3, where we'd realised that the uh, the Google Earth images had been renewed and there was no set there anymore. That's when the building had been completely removed from site. The uh, the pond had um, been cleaned out and sort of made back into a a, a, a park setting grass and that all around the helipad of course from being removed as well and sort of park benches and all that sort of thing being set up there for uh for some reason anyway <laughs> with the waterfall but uh as we mentioned then that was the last uh the last set filmed or used for the Jurassic series outside of uh Kula ranch that uh, still still existed i suppose too briefly um mentioned before whether they neglected it or wanted to hide it when uh when hooville was being built they like they deliberately built that wall to hide it but they didn't Mm -hmm. demolish it then so like it sat there sat there between that span of lost world and Jurassic park free before they must have someone in production must have said well hey this building's still here we could reuse it redress it and save a bit of money on set sets for the film 
especially with what they mm. had going on down at Falls Lake with the <laughs> with the Avia and everything they're doing down there. Um, being able to redress the site was probably a good thing. It hadn't been bulldozed before then, otherwise we'd have a completely different film anyway, stuff in the film. But that's uh, that's pretty much the uh, the story of the Jurassic Backlot. Yeah. As as I said before, I've got a heap of reference videos here with um, a bit of a description of what's in each one. I'll post up so you can sort of go and have a look, have a look at that. The uh, the JP3 or the Embryonics set uh, music videos there as well as well as the uh, bit of a behind the scenes of that uh, Universal Florida Lost World display they had down there for marketing of the film. But uh, I don't think uh, January's issue of Jurassic Minutes is going to be quite as long. Um, of course, we've got Camp Cretaceous coming out. Um, some new figures that are just being hinted at the moment. We're going to see a lot more of that as well. Um, anything else on um, the back lot? Uh, no, but I did look up the um, the Horizon model scales on an old advertisement advertisement for them, and the Brachiosaurus was 119th, the T-Rex was 116th, the Raptor was 1/5th, and the Dilophosaurus was 1/4th scale. Oh, okay. So this is actually going to be quite bigger than the, uh, or no, no, it's going to be a little bit smaller than the um, Horizon Dilophosaurus. Hmm. Although at least being made out of polystone, it'd be a bit more durable yeah. than the uh, the model plastic <laughs> that the, the Horizon kits are made out of. Yeah. Good, good bit of information there to end out the episode. <laughs> <laughs> so Dave, that's it. We'll get out of here for the day and the month, and uh, we'll be back next week for uh, the start of the 2021 uh, discussion on Jurassic World and the Jurassic Minutes. All right.